All right. Good morning, church. How we doing? Are we awake now? Are we good? Yes. Yes. Awesome. How many of you are going to join us for our potluck afterwards? I hope you like did us well. Yes, we don't want to starve, so please, please, please. And if, and again, if you're, if you're new and you're like, I didn't even know there's a potluck, just come, or you can run down, grab some chicken or whatever, but uh, we, we definitely want you uh, to join us. Uh, if you haven't been here for the past couple weeks, we started a new series called Purpose, and uh, every week I feel like I'm saying, oh, this is my favorite part of the series, uh, but it really is. T- today, uh, I really do mean this. You have an opportunity, if you want to live like Jesus, if you want to think like Jesus, if you want to act out and have a heart like Jesus, this is the Sunday uh, to be attentive. Uh, but we're looking at this purpose, and, and it's rooted in our mission statement, but then our mission statement is rooted in Scripture. And so we're looking at all these different components. In the first week, we looked at the importance of connecting with God and really in relationship with one another. It's really easy, and today is a perfect example. It's really easy to go, eh, we'd rather just go home and just have some time as a family. Wrong. Bad idea. Fight against that. Or I just, I'm kind of peopled out. Wrong. Bad idea. We need each other to connect with one another. It's so critically, critically important for that. And even for those of us who are joining us online, uh, just talked to Amanda joining us for the first time, Linda up in Canada, uh, the Fedors, uh, people all over the United States. We need each other. So even joining us online is part of that connecting with God in community. Uh, And then we looked at the importance of growing in our faith, that if we want to be fully devoted followers of Jesus, we we have to continue to grow in our faith. This isn't like a one-time deal where we just uh, say a prayer and and now we've got a get-out-of-jail-free card or get-out-of-hell-free card. Uh, This is a relationship, and we want to continue to grow in that. And so that's our commitment to you to help you take steps in growing in your faith. And this morning, again, we come to probably my absolute favorite, and that is uh, that as we serve others, we grow as fully devoted followers of Jesus. Why? Because that's who Jesus is. That's how he himself described why he is here. I didn't come to be served, but to serve. That's, That's who he is. And so that's what we're unpacking. Next week, Alex is preaching He's going to wrap it up with our purpose of sharing the gospel, uh, joining in the Great Commission to make sure that that exactly happens, and then tying a nice, neat bow around that. All of this is kind of predicated on our mission statement. That is, we exist to equip every person to take the next step in becoming a more fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. What does that mean? That means if you're here for the very first time, our commitment to you is to help you figure out what's that step. Maybe it's a really, really inch or two inches or four inches of a step. Maybe it's a giant leap. We want to come beside you and help figure out what is that next step for you in your faith journey. And so this morning, we're unpacking how serving others accomplishes in part, in part, this mission of becoming a fully devoted follower of Jesus. Not not just for you as an individual, but for us collectively as a church, because that's really what we are. We are the bride of Jesus Christ, and he loves us. Look around. There's a lot not to love. We make mistakes. We get speeding tickets. We yell at our kids. We, we have squabbles in our marriages. We're not great, but God loves us. That should be a little bit good news to you. Like you haven't worn out your welcome. 
Uh, and a lot of us deserve to be in that place. Now, there's times when serving comes naturally. You might already know this. There's times where it's just a natural outpouring. You love to serve that other person. Uh, they're nice. Uh, you get along. They're clean. And it's just easy to serve them in a lot of ways. But there's other times when it's costly. And it takes a lot of effort. And you really have to fight against what you feel like doing. You with me? Because sometimes, if we can all agree to this, sometimes we don't feel like serving someone else. Amen? It just happens. And other times, we're not sure if we should do something or not. We think there's a need. We perceive there might be a need. But uh, I just don't know if I should do something. A lot of you know I used to be a police officer in Southern California, and one day I was, uh, I was on patrol in my beat, uh, beat four, and I was on Victoria Avenue and the 101. It's nice for me to, to say uh, the street names and the freeways kind of brings me back there. There was an old man who I had seen for months and months and months with all of his stuff uh, and begging on the side of the road. And as a police officer, and I also lived in that beat, so I, I lived there and patrolled there. And as I, uh, months after months, just drove past this guy. And every now and then on patrol, I'd roll my window and down and go, hey, you need anything? No, I'm good. I'm staying out of trouble. All right, keep on going. Next day, drive by him. Hey, you need anything? You good? No, I'm good. And one day, I pulled up in my patrol car. I'm like, hey, how's it going? He's like, I'm starving. And I'm like, hmm. What do I do here? And, and it was on an off-ramp, but here's the great thing when you're a police officer. You just turn on your lights and everyone goes around you. <laughs> like, they can wait for you. In fact, this has nothing to do with the sermon, uh, but nevertheless, it'll cause you to smile. Uh, one time, uh, I, I was at a stoplight, and the reason why I realized I was at a stoplight is because I woke up. <laughs> and as I looked in my rearview mirror, there was a line of like 20 cars Behind me, no one was willing to pass the police officer. <laughs> but I had fallen asleep at the stoplight. Uh, it just is what it is. Nothing to do with this sermon. Nevertheless, so you can just turn on your lights and everybody either waits for you or goes around you and, and like you can own that. At least that's how it used to be. And so I turn my lights and I'm like, you know what? Get in. And he's like, I didn't do anything. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm just going to give you a ride. We'll go get you some groceries. And he's like, oh, I got all my stuff. I go, leave it. No one's going to touch it. So he jumps into my patrol car, and I take him to Circle K on Johnson, uh, just off of Johnson Drive uh, in that little uh, Colonia area. We go into Circle K. It's not the greatest shopping, but nevertheless, he grabs, you know, Cheetos and some bologna and some, some drinks and, like, piles it up. And I'm like, whatever, man, just, like, pile up as many bags as you want. And so we bought the groceries and we got in the car, and he's like, this is the first time I've ever been in a patrol car getting a ride, <laughs> uh, which is super fun. And took him back to his spot, blessed him, dropped him off, and drove away. And I have to admit to you, I almost didn't act. I almost didn't act in that moment because I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure what to do. I have to admit, it was pretty early on in my career, and I thought, am I going to get in trouble for this? And I'm like, wait a second, I decide who's in trouble for this. And so just turn on my lights, and, and I could act. 
But then I wondered, okay, what's the police department gonna think that I threw this guy in my car, we went and got groceries, we came back, it's not exactly in the job description of a police officer, but nevertheless, I did it. But I found myself in this pull of like, what should I do? And even afterwards, I found myself going, was that okay what I just did? And I just didn't know. And I almost didn't act. And the situation I found myself in is not in any way unique in this world. In a world with limitless choices, and you know this, we have every choice available to us that this world has ever seen. With all those choices available to us, we still often find ourselves too overwhelmed to even make a choice. You have that problem? And that's okay, that some of that's personality, but also some of it's heart condition, especially when it comes on the heels of what to do for another person. And as I've thought about that day, as it pertains to living like Jesus, I've realized this. Our trepidation of doing the wrong thing often stops us from doing anything, which prevents us from serving anyone at all. Basically, it's this idea that you get handicapped and you're like, I don't know what to do, so you don't. And that's what we want to overcome because that's a tactic of the enemy. We may not think that, but a tactic of the enemy is when there's a need and you freeze, that's the enemy. He's causing you to stop and pause and wonder and second guess and then not make a decision. That's the enemy's tactic. Again, we talked about this several weeks ago. His job is not to try and make you evil. His job is not to try and get you to go to some seance. His job is to distract you or to get you to pause in living a life of Jesus. Why? Because he knows if you live a life like Jesus, your life will be turned upside down for the good. He knows that you, in losing your life, you'll find your life and then he's in trouble. That's what the enemy thinks. But that's not how we're called to live as Christ followers. This, this, path, this little uh, ditty up here, this is not how we're called to live as Christ followers as we pursue the growth of becoming a more fully devoted follower of Jesus. So in light of that, I think that there's a few steps. They're pretty common. Uh, they're pretty basic. If you're into taking notes or taking pictures with your phone, this would be a very worthwhile Sunday uh, to do so because even though these five steps are not life-shattering, they're not life-changing, if you implement them, I promise your life will begin to look differently. Here's step number one. If we're gonna start serving, we might need to change our position. Here's what I mean by that. We can serve others well when, wow. Is that someone's phone or is that the Lord coming? She's, Polly's phone? Like, sorry, but when you're preaching and you hear church bells, when we don't have a church bell, it's like, yes, forget the potluck, come Lord. That was amazing. Never had that. Thank you, Polly. 95-year-old Polly with her cell phone. Sometimes, don't take this the wrong way, but here's truth. Sometimes 
Instead of wanting to take on the role of a servant, we want to take on the role as a problem solver. Think about that just for a moment. Why? Because solving a problem is way easier than serving. Serving, there's the unknown. Serving, there's, there's a lot of things we don't know about what's going to happen. Problem solving is calculated. We know how much it's going to cost. We know how long it's going to take. We know if we can or can't do it, and we can solve the problem. But Jesus does never call us to be a problem solver. In some ways, life would be a whole lot easier. Some of you would have that spiritual gift. But that's not what we're called. We're called to serve. This seems obvious, but missing this step that, that we change our position from, from problem solver to servant can actually, uh, if we don't do it, can actually lead to more harm than good. But when we study the life of Jesus, we find, we find countless examples of the role that he took on as an example for us. We see that he chose to wash the feet of his disciples, we see that he chose to come to earth in obeying the Father and living as an ordinary human. Christ continually humbled himself for the sake of others and literally, both at the heart and physically, switched places with us, even those of us who are in the lowliest of positions. Now, we don't often do this, but the reality is you and I, we are in the lowliest of positions. The Bible makes it clear there's not one who is good, not even one. Without Jesus, we're nothing. We can't clean ourselves up. We can't be good enough. We can't be kind enough. We can't be nice enough. We can't do enough good which is interesting in today's culture that is constantly trying to do good. They're trying to find their way back to Jesus. They don't know it. But Jesus is our example. Sometimes, unconsciously, we view ourselves as the saviors to those we serve. That without me, they're in trouble. That if I don't connect with them, if I don't solve, then there isn't gonna be anything solved, but to truly model service after Jesus, we really have to believe that in God's eyes, everyone else in the room is just as important as us. And by positioning ourselves in that way, by making the conscious effort to literally position ourselves in this way, we force ourselves to leave our personal agendas, how we think we're going to help them, and then we show up with empty hands and outstretched arms and say, what can I do? It's the difference between going on a mission trip and saying, here's what we're going to do for you. We're going to build this, and we're going to do this, and then we're going to repaint this. And then those who are serving are going, that's great. Is there any way we can get some groceries? See the difference? We're not the Savior. So we must change our position a little bit. And that puts us in example with Jesus. Point number two, serving others takes time to listen. In fact, you could maybe rewrite this. I, I don't have the ability to adjust on the fly, but maybe a servant takes time to listen. But really, it's the act as well. It's the verb. Serving others 
takes time to listen. It's easy to assume we know what's best for another person. Especially if we've been there, done that. You know what's not helpful to new parents on the, on the, the day of uh, dedicating babies? You telling them what to do. You know what's not helpful? You telling them how to feel, what to think, and how to do what they're trying to do. That's not helpful. They know their baby's crying and they need to fix it. <laughs> what they need is love and encouragement. What they need is for someone to listen to them about their heartache. Not, again, coming back to point one, figuring out solutions for them. If we seek to serve others well, listen to this, if we seek to serve other people well, the best thing we can do is to take the time to get to know the people and to honor them with a genuine listening ear. Not passive, not like hurry up and say whatever you're gonna say because I've got something to say to you, I've got an answer, so just hurry it up. And if we skip this step, we make it a lot more about feeling good about what we've done and helping than we actually do about serving someone else. We might feel good, but we haven't really served the person. Look at these passages, James chapter one, verse 19. Know this, my brothers and sisters, let every person be quick to participate here. Know this, my brothers and sisters, let every person be quick to hear. Not do, not be, not fix, hear. Now for some of you, you're fixers, you're doers, you're, you're cleaners, you're, you're meal preparers, et cetera. This is going to stretch you beyond belief. Your number one way to serve someone else is to listen to them, to hear what they have to say, and to hear what they're not saying even more so. Ecclesiastes chapter three, verse seven, there's a time to tear, a time to sow, there's a time to keep silent, and a time to what? There is a time to speak, there is a time to do, there is a time to fix, but there's also a time to just be quiet. Ask questions. How's that going for you? How does that make you feel? What's hard right now? What makes you happy? The, the greatest thing you can do as a Christ follower with someone else that you're trying to serve is ask a lot of questions and then listen aggressively, not passively. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 13. If one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and shame. In other words, if you speak before you hear, this, this applies to marriage as well. If you speak before you hear, in other words, you offer a solution or you offer a, a way to change the person's thoughts and feelings, if you do that before you hear, what is coming out of your mouth is not a solution, it's not wisdom, it's not hope. The Bible says it is folly and shame. I've had to learn this the hard way. Sandy and I just celebrated 24 years of marriage. Yeah. I'm irresistible. And I have had to learn when Sandy wants to share, often I just need to listen. I don't need to fix. I don't need to speak. When my beautiful daughter up in the tech booth running the cameras, when, when she does, that's even harder because I'm like, I got some solutions for you. Any parents understand that? 
Like they're one word in and you're like, oh, here we go. I've, I've prepared a PowerPoint presentation to fix you. But I've had to learn, I gotta listen. I gotta listen because when I don't listen, what comes out is foolishness, not wisdom. Growing followers of Jesus believe the simple act of listening is a powerful way to serve another person. You have an opportunity to do that after church today at our potluck. Just listen. That's serving. That is a tangible way to serve, is just to listen to someone. Hey, where'd you come from? They're about to say their city, and you're moving on to where you came from. That's not serving. Just listen. A, a, a harsher way is shut up. Because if we show up always just to paint a house and fix windows and deliver meals, but we don't take the time to look the individual in the eye and hear their story and to feel their joys and to feel their pain and the weight of what they're carrying, then we're just doing good. But if we're going to do good in the name of Jesus Christ, it takes so much more than just checking a box of what we've done for them. Now, sometimes that's hard, sometimes that's easy. But nevertheless, that's our call. That's what we're supposed to be doing. In my experience, while the act is important, sometimes just sitting down with someone and having a cup of coffee, going for a walk, sitting outside, is significantly more important than what we're getting done. Now, it doesn't mean your heart doesn't have the right intentions because some of you have the, the Martha in you. You wanna get things done because it's better that way. Life operates better that way. Like, I can sit and talk with you, but not if there's dirty dishes. Like, if we do the dishes, then we can really have peace in our talk. Some of you are like that, or, or you can look at someone who's like that. Don't do it now, we don't wanna accuse anyone. But some of you are real, real doers. You have the right heart. Sometimes you just need to hit pause on your actions and just talk and listen more importantly. So serving others is critically connected to listening to others. Uh, number three, serving cares even when it costs you. Serving cares for the other even when it costs you. When we listen to others, not just with our ears, but our discerning hearts, their needs might surprise us. We might show up and go, I'm gonna do this to help them because that's what they asked for. And then as you discern, as you sit with another human being that's in great need, you might hear the Lord Jesus direct your attention to a different need. Now here's where the rubber meets the road. Sometimes a simple statement of let me know how I can help. How many of you have uttered that phrase? Go ahead, it's okay, this is participation. Yeah, we say that. Here's what that does. When we say let me know how I can help, now who has control? They do. Now you no longer have control. Here's where that gets a little bit scary. If I offer to bring you a meal, who's in control? I am. 
I can control when I get it. I can control my day on how to prepare it. I, I can deliver it. I can drive. I can plan that. If I say, let me know how I can help, the control is no longer in my hands. The control is in the person who is in need. And that means the time that I have budgeted, the resources that I have budgeted to help this person gets thrown out the window. And for a lot of us, that's scary. Because we want to help, but not too much. Like, I can come, but I've only got like a half an hour. So if we can just hurry up and get to your need. You see how the budget changes a little bit? When we truly serve, Lori is a great example of this with Naya. When we serve, we show up and we don't have a budget. God dictates that budget. And sometimes, amen, Lori, it can be awfully inconvenient. It can cause us to miss things. It can cause us to spend more money than we allotted to help that person. Well, help and serve are two different things. Because if you're truly serving as the hands and feet of Jesus, there is no budget to your time. There is no budget to your finances. Because why? It's God's anyway. It's not yours. It's not yours to budget. It's God. So he might say, I know you were gonna spend 20 bucks on this meal for this family. I want you to spend 50. And you go, ah, oh, gosh, I don't have 50. And he goes, no problem. I got 100 waiting for you tomorrow. That's how God works. In, in his perspective, in, in his view of this world, that's how God works. And so for us, serving cares even when it costs us. And if there's not some sense of sacrifice, you need to ask yourself, am I doing the bare minimum? Am I doing what will allow me to still feel good but not push me too far of what I've allotted for this? And this often requires us to drop our own agendas. Again, we're talking about serving. We're not talking about good things in this world. A, a cultural pursuit of common good for mankind. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about serving as Jesus served. That's what we're pursuing. Because when we tap into that, we've tapped into Jesus himself. And that's our goal. That's our goal for every single one of you is that you tap in to who Jesus is and who he always wanted you to be in his character. Amen. That's an amen. I don't know if you can read baby talk. It may demand more than we're willing to give. And it's costly. But the act of caring might not always be a big dramatic action. Some, sometimes we think, wow, if I'm going to help, it just has to be this enormous, enormous thing. No, it doesn't have to be enormous. We're going to care for Naya. A lot of you joined us for Naya's prayer vigil uh, last Sunday night, which was amazing. Thank you for coming out and supporting that. For those of you who couldn't make it and stayed home and prayed, thank you for doing that. Well, Naya is still with us, praise Jesus, and we don't know how long, but their family needs meals. Their family and Naya needs people to check in on them. Their, their family needs groceries delivered. Their family needs the house cleaned. And we have committed to Naya and her family for as long as the Lord Jesus gives her breath, we will serve her. 
that's part of what we did up here during baby and child dedication. So for some of you, you go, I, I, I'm doing all these other things. No problem. You can help serve in Naya. Uh, Lori, can you just stand up? Lori's never afraid of like being seen. All right, so this is Lori. God bless Lori. If you wanna help us, yeah, let's. If you wanna help us in any way with Sweet Naya, can you just come see Lori? We're trying to set up a schedule with popping in, even for 10 minutes, just checking in, seeing Naya, praying over her, giving her a hug, making her laugh, uh, letting her pick on you, uh, checking on the family, and then you can leave. It doesn't have to be this long thing. But serving isn't always huge and monumental. It's not. Caring for another could be speaking truth into their life. Serving someone else could be pulling them aside and saying, man, I'm just sensing you're going down the wrong path. You're making some bad decisions. That's serving. It could be uh, uh, grabbing rubber gloves and going to someone's house and, and opening their their uh, pantry doors that are filled with mold and disgust and helping clean those. That's serving. Could be delivering groceries, could be delivering a meal, taking them out for a cup of coffee, mowing their lawn, watching their kids for them so they can just get a shower finally. That's all serving. Philippians chapter two, verse four says this, do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also to the interest of others. You want to live countercultural? You want to live in a way that this world is not living? Apply this verse to your life every single day of every minute, and you will live drastically different from this world. Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, verse 2. Bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. In other words, if you bear one another's burdens, you're living the way Christ wants you to live. And sometimes it hurts. Over the last two weeks, uh, the amount of heartache and loss and pain and struggle that, that we've experienced as a staff, have, as we've experienced with these dear kids, um, I have not been in a good place. I'm just gonna be real honest with you. Not in a good place at all. There have been moments where I'm ready to lose it. There have been moments where I'm, I'm beyond empty and I'm not alone. But sometimes that's what Christ calls us to. But it doesn't mean, picture it if you've ever, at least if you've ever driven by a gym, let's put it that way. And you know that there are individuals in there who are working out and they have sore muscles. Well, you don't start, stop working out just because your muscles are sore. You also don't stop serving Christ just because you're on empty. Because what does it say? It says, his grace is sufficient for me. I will wake up every day and I will depend on him for the next step. I don't know if I can get 10 steps, <clears throat> but I will rely on him for the next step. And God has been so faithful to provide exactly that. That is the best place you can find yourself is if you are absolutely on E, because you are serving others. If you are full of joy, full of energy, full of excitement, full of passion, and you just are the energizer bunny, you might need to serve more. Truly, being real upfront. There should be a constant, regular exhaustion with dying for Christ and living for him. 
John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35, a new commandment I give to you. In other words, a new way of living life I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Does it in any way say, if you, if you tell them that they're sinners, if you tell them they're living wrong, if you tell them, fill in the blank, then they'll know you're my disciples. Does it say anything about that? No. If you love one another, they will know that you're mine. Goes back to the, to the greatest command, it's love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. That requires a lot of work. Some of you, if you're like me, and I know I am, uh, we, uh, you'll get that later. Um, <clears throat> Pre-COVID, our schedules were wide open. During COVID, we had no schedule. We had no life. Now our, our schedules are psychotic. Every minute of every day is filled up. We're going here, we're going there, we're driving kids. We gotta pick up, we gotta get to work, we gotta run and do groceries. Somehow someone's gotta do laundry and we're just running around. Does this sound any familiar? And it's happened. And as a Christ follower, someone who's growing, pursuing, wanting to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus, you gotta fight against that. Number four, serving recognizes that we're not the whole solution. When we've listened to the full magnitude of someone's brokenness, it can be very, very discouraging. Like, I can't, how am I gonna do this? Have you uttered those words before during an emergency? How, how am I going to do this? Or, or better yet, maybe it's you and your spouse, how are we going to do this? We all have a natural inclination, inclination to want to fix problems, especially when our hearts hurt for the individuals. But when we seek to serve others in light of how Christ served us, we take comfort knowing we're not the whole solution. We're part of a solution. Think about a chain link fence. There's only one latch on a chain link fence. All the rest of it is links. But you take those links away, we don't even have a fence. It's the same way when we're serving with a problem. There's only so much Lori can do. There's only so much we can do as we talked about loving little Henry up here and, and bringing him into the ways of the Lord. Well, we all can't lead Henry in the prayer to accept Jesus Christ as his savior. That'd be a little overwhelming for the poor kid. But we can do our part. But where we get confused is if we think I am the solution. I, in fact, I'm the whole world. So how do we maintain that perspective? To serve others well, we must have faith that we're primarily serving someone greater. In order to do our part, we have to have the perspective of, I'm not necessarily serving this person. In serving this person, I'm serving someone greater. That allows us to maintain our perspective. Again, this is what separates Christ followers from the good of the world. The good of the world says, I'm doing this, I'm with a team that's doing this, and we are gonna do good. And it's focused on the thing. Christ followers say, here's a person who's struggling, who's in pain, who has need. I'm gonna serve them, and in serving them, I'm serving the God of all creation. And that is gonna change 
the world. It's going to change circumstances. It's going to change my relationship with God in a way that's different than just going and serving and doing something that's good. That's the truth. And often, listen, when we lose that perspective, serving gets old really fast. Serving becomes a chore. Serving becomes a pain when we lose that perspective. If we camp out on the perspective of just doing a good thing, we are going to burn out. When we focus on serving the way Christ calls us to serve, we have a limitless tank of energy and compassion and kindness. You hear all these kids? God's doing something here. So are their parents. Like, God, God is on the move. He's doing something. And why is this important? Because it's God's job to change the circumstance. It's God's job to change the world. It's our job to participate with him, which by his grace he lets us. But it's God's job to bring true change to people's lives and their circumstances. That's not an excuse to go, well, someone else will volunteer with the kids. That just because it's God's job doesn't give, get, let you off the hook. Does that make sense, what we're, what we're focusing in on here? And the realization that we're not the whole solution should give you some peace. It really, really should. Because we take God seriously, don't take yourself seriously. And when we do that, we trust that God is going to fill in the gaps where we can't serve any longer. When dear Lori has to leave Naya's side and go home because she still has a family, she has a husband that she reintroduces herself every now and then, says, hi, I'm Lori, remember me? Uh, when Lori has to leave, Lori has to trust God is gonna fill in the gap when she's gone. You with me? Is this clicking? Number five, and finally, to grow as, a, as one who's serving, you need to allow yourself to be served. This is gonna be hard for some of you. Sometimes the greatest servants are the worst at receiving service, and you burn out. If you're gonna grow as a fully devoted follower of Jesus, in the area of serving others, you must allow others to serve you. You have to. Why? Because when we do that, we find mutual respect. We, we find opportunities for discipleship. And in the same way of allowing yourself to be served, accepting a meal, letting someone come clean your house, someone bringing you groceries, someone giving you a gift card, uh, someone saying, sit down, we'll get it, and you, as much as it would kill you to sit down and let others do it, is often an incredible way of serving someone else. Because when we serve as Christ, it feels good. Every potluck, I walk around at the end and I pick up plates and people are like, oh, we can do that. It gives me joy to serve you. 
I don't do it to be good. I don't do it because someone needs to do it and no one's doing it, so I might as well have to do it. I, I take joy in doing that. As your pastor, I take joy in serving you. I genuinely do. And sometimes I need to let you serve me and I need to stay seated. And I have to admit that's hard for me. It's super hard. But if I don't, I'm robbing you of the opportunity to practice your God-given characteristic, and that is to serve others. He allowed others to serve him when it was done for the right reasons. He may have quieted Martha's frets running around the house. He certainly did that. But he also defended a woman who spent a year's wages on some perfume to wash his feet. Not because he thought, I deserve this, wash away. But he knew that the very act of service of this woman was gonna draw her closer to the God of all creation and help her find more of her character. So he let her serve. And when we talk about the costliness, and that's a whole nother sermon, you've heard it before, it cost her everything. And Jesus stood by and let her. And here's the lesson. Some of you need to let others serve you. Just want you to sit on that for a moment. Maybe you're a mom, maybe you're a dad, maybe you're uh, a single, maybe you're a college student. Maybe you're the one who always gets it done. Maybe, just maybe, you need to just sit back. And when someone goes, hey, can I, instead of you going, no, 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 let me, maybe you need to say, that'd be great. That would be great. I'd love that. Thank you. And know that in that moment, that person is being drawn closer to the Lord by you allowing them to serve you. When I think about what it means to live out a life of service, I wish I would have done things differently with that guy on patrol. Here's what I wish I would have done. I would have done everything the same except for at the very end, dropping him off and driving away. I wish I would have gotten out of my car and sat down and ate with him. Why? Because that's what Jesus would have done. He would have just sat down right there, threw on his rotators and shared a meal with this gentleman. That helps me because I'll do that differently next time. Not just to do good to get this guy groceries, but to live as Jesus would in this man's life. When we're struggling to do this, and we will struggle, you will struggle. There will be those who God calls you to serve that you quite honestly can't stand. Sorry. I hope that you'll remember the words of Jesus. Two passages in the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 25, verse 40. Truly I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. You did for me. That's why it feels good. 
That's why it feels amazing. Matthew chapter 10, verse 39, whoever finds their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life, not, not just lose it for whatever purpose, whoever loses their life for my sake, they'll find it. And friends, the, the, the most important thing I wanna help you find, whether it's in a week, a day, a month, years in a relationship with you, is I want you to help, I wanna help you find your life. I wanna help you find the best version of you. For you kids, for you college students, for you young marrieds, for, for those of you who are starting a family for the very first time and you just don't have a clue what you're doing, for you empty nesters, for you seasoned dear veterans of this world, there is more to be found with who God has always wanted you to be. And I wanna help you find that. We as a church wanna help you find that. And that's what drives our mission statement. Everything we do, so as we conclude, just a quick recap. How do we do this? How do we serve? Uh, what is service? How do we do it? Number one, we may need to change our position. Instead of being uh, solutions-based, servant-based. Number two, serving takes time to listen. Just listen. Just listen. Serving cares even when it costs you. And I do promise you, I just wanna know what you're getting in, into. I don't want you to, you know, think you're buying a Lamborghini and you get a Chevette. When you choose that you're going to serve, it's going to cost you. And it won't always be happy, happy, rah, rah costs. It, it could be painful. So I just wanna be real upfront with that. Serving recognizes we're not the whole solution. I'm not a savior. You're not a savior. You're part of the solution, but you aren't the solution. And we need to allow ourselves to be served. If we can implement even just one of those into our everyday life, your life will change. Your perspective will change. Your relationships will change. People will look at you weird. All for Jesus and for his glory. With the church bells ringing. Let's pray together. God, we are grateful. We are grateful that you call us uh, to bigger things than us. It, man, it, it, it would be pretty boring if you called us just to sit tight till you come back. If you called us uh, to get comfortable. If you called us just to sit on answers or to drop off a quick meal. But you didn't. You call us to something greater. You call us to join you in your work in this world. And as we talked about in morning prayer and we've talked about during worship, this world is not a void of, of difficulties, of pain, of needs, from the smallest of small to the, to the world-changing events, we need you. And your response almost always is to use Christ followers to be your hands, to be your feet, to be your wallet, 
to be your shoulder to cry on. And God, we are, we are a church that you are doing amazing things. We are a church that is in pursuit of you. And as we pursue, you call us to serve others. Help us to take inventory of our world. Where might we serve another? We love you because you're worthy of our love. You have shown yourself faithful through the ages. You are the ancient of days. You are the truth yesterday and today and tomorrow. You're our comfort during times of trouble. You are coming again to raise the living and the dead, to bring us back to that place that you've been preparing. And until you give us that last breath, may we serve as you serve. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to give you a, a real practical next step as we get ready to worship. Out on the table, uh, just outside these door, glass doors and to the right, there are two tables set up. We've been uh, working really hard, um, Amy and Grant and the team putting together outreach and missions. It's a little bit hard, as you can imagine, with COVID kind of flaring up but yet we're, we're having several meetings figuring out how do we still continue to be the church even amidst a world pandemic. And we've identified a handful of areas in order uh, to do that and we need your help. And maybe it's a five minute help, maybe it's a five month help, but we need your help. And we're gonna ask after the service, there's some representatives that will be over there. We're, um, we're beginning to pray about and have discussions on how do we help refugees that are coming to Colorado not just Afghanistan, that's the obvious, but every single day we receive refugees into our state, into the, the, uh, the greater Denver area. And so we're figuring out how do, how do we help them? How do we be the hands and feet? Do we bring groceries? Do we stock their fridge? Do we buy them clothes? Do we give them a ride from the airport? Do we welcome them at the airport so that they're not alone? Um, Scott and Shannon Carpenter are helping us uh, greatly with that. And we'd love your help. You can just stop by and, and have a chat with them. Uh, we're also uh, continuing to expand um, our foster care ministry, what we can do with that. We're putting plans together even now for next July's Christmas party in July for our foster families. But there's a lot that goes on uh, during the day uh, and others. So there, there are several things on those tables. Um, as we get ready to do the potluck after church, uh, certainly want you to stay and stick around for that and enjoy that with us. But if you would please, after you've greeted some people, just stop by those tables, have a conversation with them uh, and just see what might your part be um, in a, in a church-wide effort uh, and then encouraging you over this next week to just have some self-reflection on what does that mean for your life as well with your neighbors, your friends, your coworkers, your students, your peers, uh, whoever that might be. And we're praying for you in that journey. So if you would please stand and let's get ready to respond in worship.